keep going. Welcome to another episode of the Keep Going Podcast. At the risk of eliciting hundreds of eye rolls due to another podcast discussing the perils of technology, Keep Going is diving into the fray. We know it's a bit risky because we too are experiencing the palate fatigue around the talking heads warning us about AI, the singularity, and advancing techno-annihilation. But fear not, we are not experts. We're a one-third rube, one-third Luddite, and one-third dabbler. I'll let you attempt to determine who is what. But we are decidedly not in preacher mode in this episode, although I do have to step off my soapbox at least once. So what do we have in store for you? Well, we're glad you asked. Our conversation starts with an experiment in crafting a marathon plan using chat GPT. It's a bit glitchy before Michael reveals a momentary existential crisis around relentless progress and the seeming imperative of accumulation in our modern world. John jumps in, imploring us to beware of the riches and rewards, for I quote, the big payout will never be big enough. But fear not, we pivot before things get too heavy. I talk about how you can't unsee your mom naked and leaving piles of poop on the trail. Thankfully, Michael regrounds the conversation around how we can use technology to help us become better runners and humans. Along the way, we use the Tao Te Ching, magpies thieving shiny baubles, and carts getting out in front of horses as metaphors for technology's best case uses. We finally end with a plea to find the others. So without further delay, I present to you the episode we call Dark Necessity, The Paradox of Technology. Until next week, Godspeed, my friends. Godspeed. <laughs> it's got Boston in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, for the last 25 to 30 years, my life has been revolving around Boston, so it does feel very much like that. But now I miss, this- I miss going to that race. Yeah, I'm it's, going this year. I didn't go the last two years, but I'm going back this year. Yeah, it's going to be... Yeah, <laughs> Lena just said going to go walk it with her. Well, yeah. I'm, yeah, She'll run it, but it won't be pretty. <laughs> <laughs> We're going for the lobster rolls. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, this week, I, 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 don't, I know Michael may not be completely clear on what we're talking about, but I'm pretty sure he can roll with this one. So I, I realized yesterday as we were, as I was thinking about what we were getting my shit together to be ready for this morning, I was like, oh, I was responsible for the topic. And I, I dropped the ball. And then I came up with, uh, well, John and I started banding about the idea about different training programs and things like that. And maybe a grant, like what that might look like. And I was like, that's just, we need a, we need a. A, a you know table of contents for that how yeah. we're going to go down that road and I think that maybe we can do that next week or the week after that or something but then I came up with something I'd been thinking a lot of. well it came from John's comment about <laughs> just a chat GPT comment the chat GPT comment <laughs> well, why don't you share with us how do you do on that <laughs> so I was talking with a friend of mine on the phone the other day 
and this guy is way into the technology world. He's sometimes when he's talking to me, I don't even. You don't use ChatGPT or follow behind. Well, no, he's he's like, oh my god, I'm already on, you know, he's he's already on the new Chat GPT that hasn't been released. Oh, the paid version. Yeah, he's just all you know. He's he's like, you got to do this, and I was like, hmm. So I started plugging in all this information. <laughs> And I wrote Rory's training program for the next year with Chat GB- GPT. <laughs> John sent that to me, and I was like, "Okay." So I I get that, and I'm like, "Okay, oh, all right, is this serious or not serious?" Number one, because you know, with John, the sense of humor is—you never know. You, you do never know with John. So I decided to take it seriously, and I said something to the effect of, "How did that go?" And then he said, "Oh." Uh, I think we've got his eight, first, eight, his first long in. run. His first long run is a 30 miler with 18 miles at marathon goal pace. And I replied back, sounds like a team road workout. <laughs> <laughs> Something I wrote 20 years, 15 years ago. So, literally. The chat GPT is a little glitchy. It doesn't, you know, it did like, and his long run, there, the glitch was his long runs got longer mm-hmm. every weekend. It's <laughs> just like, I mean, he's running 50K all the time. And I'm like, they clearly don't know Rory because he would break in half. But mm. it was so funny. I was plugging in. Well, it was like, write a, oh, I used, write a uh, marathon, a 52-week marathon training program. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, wait. Beginning with, you know what I mean? So, like, I set parameters for a 30-something-year-old man with uh, lifetime PRs of this, 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 and this based on the training principles of, and then I listed all these coaches Mm -hmm. from all this kind of, and then it was, um, it was so funny. (laughs) And, oh, the other thing was, so it had Rory running we have Rory taking every 10th day off. And I, I really do you do 10 day cycles? Is that how you do it? Yeah. And then uh, we, we've evolved to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It could evolve somewhere else, but it had Rory running Monday through Saturday. <laughs> Sunday was off. Cause like Rory's going to go to church. <laughs> and, and then Saturday was the long run. And there was one other day that was an easy, oh, Monday was an easy run of eight miles or something like that. And then everything else was a workout. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Proceed with caution. Yeah, it was, I was cracking up. I'm a member of this community where, um, which is basically kind of like, I don't know, they call themselves, it's like, it's called indie thinkers. And it's like independent thinkers who are working in philosophy and uh, AI, psychology, things like that. Whether they're working, you know, from an academy point of view or they're working with more freelancing and doing stuff, writing books and creating programs and, I mean, uh, classes and things like that. It's a pretty interesting crew. And the head of that group, he wrote an interesting post recently where he said, um, if we're if we're as indie thinkers, if you're really good at what you're doing, you don't have anything to worry about with these the AI, the new AI stuff with the chat 
GPT or whatever it is. Yeah. P, I don't know, PG, PG tips or whatever it is. <laughs> Chad PG tips. Yeah. And uh, he's like, nothing to worry about because. Crossover marketing. Because what it requires, what is required is nuance. Yeah. And, um, and, and something going on underneath There's like some tone it doesn't it doesn't do tone well it Correct. doesn't do at this point in time it doesn't have the ability to well it will it will you'll be able to add tone one of the things i shit. noticed and i only did maybe a dozen entries into it or whatever so i don't have a lot of practice with it but one thing i did notice is that it will sort of qualify what it just gave you like in the closing statement or whatever um sort of to you know cover its own ass hmm. because if you're asking for like a training program and you know they I, they they have to you know they, they just have to cover their own ass i i think it's a fucking disaster it's i i, I just yeah. the, the, it, it's What's the point of speeding up when you don't know where you're fucking going? <laughs> well, I, think like, I, well, I, know, I just, I get so tired of it. It's just, we move so fast. We've lost the plot. People need to be focusing on slowing down, not yeah, speeding up. Totally. People need to get back to writing, not get back to producing content. Another big thing right now is to churn out blogs for SEO, but like, you're just going to flood the internet with more crap. Just so much crap everywhere. It's fucking everywhere. I can't well, handle it's, it. It's, it's, um, there because someone thinks it has to be not because it needs and it's to a, be. It's a valuable right? momentum it's tool and it's great. But like, why are people so obsessed with moving so fast? And progressing so quickly, like I think we've we've just lost the art. Like I woke up this morning, like I told y'all, and we've lost the like. I just I personally lost the ability to feel like I'm good enough. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and all of this stuff just it just it it's tripping me out. Well, like, it, the whole thing is tripping me out psychologically. I just don't think it's, it's conducive moving, to a very. Healthy if you're not mindset. moving a hundred miles an hour all the time, you're lazy. You know what I mean? That's we we yeah. look at things in this sort of hyperbolic lens where everything is just I'm just worried about the arts. I'm not. I'm not. You're not? No. No, I'm not. Not um, at all. So let's frame this before we get too far afield because you just literally tapped at what we're talking about here. Oh, Michael. Yeah, right you did a great right. job. <laughs> which is yeah. what is like technology question mark? Right. So like there are aspects to technology, which obviously we are we're going to rail against. Right. But there's also aspects of technology which we fully accept and 100 percent understand as valuable. We don't run around barefoot on asphalt roads because right. there's asphalt roads. So then we need technology to be prepared to run on asphalt roads. So, you know, there's pieces to the puzzle here. And so I think this this what I'd love for this topic to be is to go and keep you know, typical keep going fashion all over everywhere. But just to keep an idea of this juxtaposition, the yin yang, if you will, of the necessity, right? The dark necessity of technology as we technologize. So each time we have a new thing, something new needs to come. Is that, and, and two, the, the deep B point of that, because nothing's ever gonna go back to OG. There never was an OG. Even the OGs were getting new. They went from stone tools to steel to they, you know, we just, you, you say in the iron age is a 
really bad thing. Oh, too much Iron Age. Like you can't really, you can, you can argue that, but we're not going back, right? right? right but right. then the other piece is then how, but what part of that technological advancement progress, if you will, is detrimental to um, what it means to be human or in our case, what it means to be a runner. Like what, what, right. what, cause we're going to be focusing a little bit more on the technology related to running, though we'll probably move far afield. So I'm, I'll, I'll leave that there as a, as a sort of a, for our listeners to be like, okay, these guys are going to generally be talking about the, the positives and the negatives of technology. And then right. maybe how we figure out what to do with that or open questions that we might end up with at the end of the conversation. Because at this point, like, I don't think any of us, like, we can't do anything about this chat PG tips. We can't do anything about it. It's here. Yeah. Now we can argue whether this is the smartest move for all of us with AI. AI is a super, is a super scary. We're letting a genie out of a bottle. Like we've talked multiple times about social media, how social media is now really focusing our attention in areas that are, it's using the age old technique of tension getting to, turn our attention to modern meads or, or to old, the oldest school things, which is how to buy your product. I mean, in the Silk Road, people were trying to, you go, you go to a town in the Silk Road and everybody there's selling the wares and four right. guys have got, four guys have got different, the diff, spears or um, coffee beans or filters or whatever it is that was used at the time, you know, farm implements, whatever they were all selling. Well, people were selling multiples of the same thing. So they had to get your attention to come and buy that thing. So, you know, when we, you know, I'm always railing against capitalism, but mostly it's because capitalism's inability to recognize where it's going, like to what end, to what end. So anyway, I don't know if I just muddied the waters even more. <laughs> But ultimately, okay, so let's just start with, um, let's just start with, well, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Do you want to, you want to keep going down the road of, of fear and loathing, Michael? No. You're on the fear and loathing No, road. no, no. I, fear and loathing in the technosphere. I think that, I think there, that there's a good delineation between my fears and my anxieties about it all and actually what's useful. So. I think no, that's what we're talking understanding, about. Yeah. Understanding that there is a direction it's just very difficult to see. And in more experience, um, I'm not, I'm not, like, I'm, I just, I'm a big fan of, um, you know, I, I'm actually on the other side of, of the coin. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of, capitalism and studying it and i like the idea that that exists and i and i think it i think it can be a, a vehicle for some really amazing things um socially and for people's lives and it's it's been really very very cool for me um that being said it's i do think a lot about what the general kind of zeitgeist is about how we're using things and why we're doing it. And when I fail to see the plot of a shared goal or a common goal or education or some type of well-roundedness, like it just, it to, I guess I'm living in a little, in a little bubble right now where everything seems to be 
about making a buck, but not what we're going to do with the buck and or what we're going to build with it or what we're going to give back or what we're going to contribute. And I think that we're leaning on consumerism and not healthy consumption. Um, but people have to do it right now to survive the way that products and ideas and the arts are marketed right now. I just don't think we're in like the coolest and most healthy time for those kinds of things. I think that there's a de-emphasis on value and education and an emphasis on um, opportunity to succeed in some way and I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm they, it, so I, I think the technology and you know running wearables and data and you know AI generating you know text and everything. I I guess the thing that I wouldn't we'd have. I really do believe we have to counterbalance it with some of the things that we held to be true in the past, which are you know, the bibliography, understanding what we're doing, understanding that there is a purpose and a reason for using it. And if I just think that if we're looking straight right in front of us to use it to our advantage, I think that we're failing to use the technology to its full capacity. And I think that there needs to be a group consensus of, but that's going to come from some type of inspiration of, leaders and political leaders and you know pro leaders and athlete leaders and cultural leaders and i think that we need more cultural leaders and less you know of kind of what's going on right now um it just seems confusing it seems like we're it seems like i'm I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just having a hard time with it because um, sometimes I just don't feel fulfilled to just hit the hit the task each day to try and make it monetarily in the world. And I think that a lot of people are in pain because we're just all trying to hit those monetary goals and they're never going to be good enough. They're just never going to be good enough. And I think that there's a false carrot in front of us. And I think that, I think that we need to find ways to ground ourselves. So with, with every new piece of exponential and momentous technology, I think there needs to be an equal and opposite reaction on the grounding scale culturally and with, the leaders that we have and I, that's just what I believe I don't feel like we have it maybe that's just an opinion and maybe it's it's half-baked and uneducated shit I'm not that fucking educated I mean I've got a music degree and I'm all self-taught but I'm only learning shit that I want to learn and stuff that I need to learn but but you're feeling like there's something wrong I, I don't yeah I feel like we have a lot going for us and a lot of things are amazing like I live in data. I like exploring, um, you know, anything as basic as like our site conversion and stuff like that. How can you make it better? That's a fun exercise for me. 
how do we speak to first-time customers as opposed to the OG customers who have been with us for a while? Like, that's a fun mission to kind of tackle those conversations through the power of branding and everything. But once, once it, it just, for whatever reason, I don't know. I just, it, it's a very confusing subject for me because I think the absence of, I don't know. I, I guess I could be more confused right now as, as in my, like where I am, where, where I'm necessarily going. Um, I know, and I don't feel like when I was growing up, for example, I'm almost grieving this idea that I just, I probably sound super negative and for, please forgive me for that. I'm just trying to be kind of as candid as possible, but like, and I don't even know if it's the same topic. It kind of feels like it's the same topic, technology and outlook. But when I was a kid, like I, I thought at this point in, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be like bowing down to the dollar and but I am, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down because there's so many things attached to that. And I think we all just want to get our needs met and be fulfilled and happy. So how are we going to offset these things and practice the absence of technology, the absence with the presence of technology? Like, how are we going to harness it without abusing it is, is the ultimate question, I think. Um, I think, I think, running specifically is just getting started and I've poked through the just it's almost like a like a there's like a black sheet in front of me and there's like light behind it and I've got see a few lights (laughs) like like kind of poking through and I'm thinking you know I need to I need to really really kind of observe the difference of why I started running and why I'm running now and I guess I guess when running becomes so synonymous with the data and the goal and the progression of everything it it it's become it's become a task to kind of stay grounded. Well it sounds like your experience <clears throat> from the apparent, from the perspective of what's going on with how you're tracking data and working with data from a business perspective um is really similar to what happens to many athletes who are new to running or who get jumped into the data set with their garments and their they get they get overwhelmed with the amount of data there and the data can do a lot of different things and sometimes you either a don't understand it i'm not saying you don't understand it but um, but you might not know exactly how that tool or that data might work for spitting out information so you've got all this new insight data sets but you don't necessarily, and especially for new runners that I experience this with, or or runners who are really, really focused on an external goal, they tend to to not balance the the data with sensory experience. So what I would say that is, it's like they get they have the they have the new ways, which is data sets, but they're not balanced with the old ways. And that's what I'm hearing from you is like, hey, business should be a balance between new ways of doing business and the old ways that we accept as a species as humans who value having our needs met and having things that we need to get done um the more data you get the more um you have to figure out how to what to do with it and so much of the data let me give an example 
the idea that came up that's come it's been in the last three to five years um, because these watches can now tell you your cadence people are really focused on cadence mm-hmm. and I'm like it's the most useless piece of data has that become a big thing again Oh, it's back. Yeah, wow. it's back. Just because the watch can yeah, yeah, yeah. find the data right and it can take that data, yep. then the person thinks that that data is an important, essential thing. And they'll say to me, oh, I'm not at, I'm at 165 steps per minute or whatever that number is. And I'm like, you're really not important. And then when I usually tell them, because then they, they think, should I go higher or should I go lower? And I'm like, well, it depends. So then I give them a little experiment. I'll just say, hey, let's go out to the track and let's go to a 400 meters at 90 seconds. Let's do 400 meters at 60, at, at 80 seconds. Let's do 400 meters at 70 seconds. And the, with the population that I work with, 70 seconds is pretty fast, right? And I'll just say, now look at the data of the cadence on that and you and tell me what you think it would be and they're like oh i should be getting my stride length my stride rate will be much higher because i'm going faster but effectively it should be the opposite right you and i know this if you're running 10 seconds faster you should have less steps because you're exerting more power to get those steps out and as soon as they get that that's so their stride length is longer right so once they get that they're like Oh, so this data can be useful, but it's really hard to build a program around it. But you you have to give them some kind of sensory experience of that, an old way of relating to the new data, and then they're a little less worried about it. And then occasionally they're able to go through on a hill series or something else and they'll see something's wrong and they'll be looking at all their data and then they'll say, oh, an anomalous number here with my cadence. And then you go, oh, is this an injury waiting to happen? Is this, um, am I just really, really tired and so my form breaks down? And you might be able to take that and do something else with it. So it's not that, that the data's got any problem. It's just not grounded to old ways. So if you bring in new data, new technology, new things, how does it relate to the old ways of doing things? Another example. We're a little bit concerned in our episode Episode we talked about with shoes. We, we are concerned about what happens with people's plantars over the long term with these shoes that most people are running in, which have some kind of plate in them that's kind of operating as a pseudo plantar plantar. So we're worried about long-term foot health. Is there going to be an issue here long-term that we can see? And as you see the, the, the war of the, the, the sort of tech war going forward and forward and forward, you realize people are wearing these more and more. They're never out unshod or they're never in shoes that are not plated or whatever. And again, there's no problem with the plate. I mean, we can obviously see shit's working now we do have to ask ourselves are we really cool these are new numbers and these new numbers are not like the fast new times that people are running you see it in the collegiate world especially because they're just running so much faster than they ever have so you just say okay well is this true that when i was running in 1993 that the results in 2023 are equal to the results in 1993 no there's some key things there um and then how do we relate that how do we deal with that so um i think that the key for me is, okay, technology is, there's nothing wrong with technology. Right. It's going to happen anyway. You can't do anything about it. Chat FPT or whatever it is. Can't do anything about it. But what you can do is up your game, work it, use it, help it, play with it, learn about it like you did. Like I wouldn't even write a program on that yeah. because I'm like, bleh, bleh. but then again, I don't think of myself as a coach. I think I'm an artist. So why would I ever use that? But it'd be like a painter probably dabbling in AI art. Oh, well, what that what what would that look like if AI created the thing that I would create? And in some areas, it's going to be significantly better, but in other areas, it's probably not going to be in the same place. Mm. Um, That's a very optimistic point of view, and I like it. Yeah, I don't. It I'm, sounds nice. 
I just think that you know? if you balance the new ways with old ways, you're likely to be okay, right? So for you, it's like, what's the purpose behind the data? What's the value that the data is giving you that is like not decades old, centuries old, right? The cent- Because attention has been attention for forever. Getting people's eyeballs on your website is no different than getting eyeballs on some guy hanging out in the street corner. Correct. It's the same thing. So how do you, and it might be more challenging, but that data will give you more tool sets to do it, more people Mm -hmm. to get to. So if you balance the old way, the new way with the old way, then you may have something you're working with, you know, there's, um, I, I don't know why I pulled this up the other day, but this is from, uh, Dao Ching. Um, he competes, but not for rewards. When work is done, it is forgotten. Mm. That is why it lasts forever. Right? So beautiful. So you're doing it to do it, and which is like what we've talked about in the past, being on the path and not thinking about the end. And I don't know how we would apply that to your situation because I've never owned a shoe company that's trying to find its way into a really weird expansive market so I I mean I don't know but I I mean I don't know how it would apply but when you started talking about that and and I pulled this up I don't know a few days ago in relation to something we had said the week before Hmm. so it's funny that we're all we're you know we're on this Mm -hmm. little circuitous path in conversation and we always find these little nuances that are similar to ones we've seen before. Um, and I, with training or with, you know, raising kids or owning a business, you know, you've, um, you put down what you, what your goal is and then you forget about the goal. And it's really, really hard to do because the goals that we have here are riches and rewards, right? Which is like, you know, I mean, that, we're, we're a materialist consumer society. So all, you know, stuff is really, really important to us. And maybe if like, maybe if, you realize that whatever riches and rewards are out there for your business or whatever, those riches and rewards aren't going to be what you've done, which is create something, which is help people out being healthy and happy, which is... um, getting people outdoors, which is, I feel like, becoming rarer and rarer. And so maybe like a shift of what the riches and rewards are, not to take your attention away from anything and, you know, as a replacement, but... um, I, th- I I just think 
everything in the society has become so um, reward based. Like we're always looking for like the big payout or whatever. And the big payout is never going to be big enough. It's just never going to be. It's never yeah, going to be big enough. That's that's kind of the. Yeah, it, there's no. It's just not. But I, it's I also know. but it's also not what the person wants. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is really important because I've been having a conversation, ongoing conversation with one of my athletes about um, the experience of he's he's struggling with he's been struggling with his mental game mm-hmm. in terms of he's finding that his race results um, that he's getting are not not what he wants. And then, then it's like, okay, well, what do you want? And and everybody and I as a coach and his teammates are both looking and saying, yeah, you're doing in training things that are not showing up on race day. You're not, you're, you're underperforming on race day. So we'll just go back down the line and try to figure out what all those things are. And one of the things that I really truly believe, come to believe recently is that a person needs to recognize what their goal is. And that goal is never the arbitrary number that's associated with it, Right. Um, it's always the feeling state that that person wants to have at the end because that's what that's the universal. So when you say to someone they want to buy a Tesla, they're not really wanting to buy the Tesla. They're wanting the feeling that's associated and the values that they associate that Tesla brings to it. And then there's a color. They don't want the black one. They want the white one. Why do they want the white one? Because there's a feeling that's associated with that. And then some of that's culturally constructed, but some of that's also constructed within the, it's all culturally constructed because it's a vehicle, right? right? But it means the same thing it meant in well before we had cars, which is that if you painted your door a certain color or you had a door of a certain type, that that meant that you were at a certain economic structure right. and that you, the color of your door was that you, you aligned with another group of people who also valued that color or whatever, the, or whatever there might be right. esoteric reason for the color or religious purpose for that. But I do think at the end of the day, people are still, we can call it a consumer culture, but that's just because they have done a really day, the, the Royal day, Okay, has done a really good job of continuing to put those bob, those shiny things. We're a magpie society. There's shiny things, and they keep throwing more and more shiny things, and we keep bringing them to our nests, right? But at the end of the day, the magpie is still going after shiny things for a particular reason. Right. And I think that that's the place that is useful for technology perspective mm-hmm. is to say, okay, but there's a core necessity for a shoe, so then I can adjust and adapt. Here's another example. I have an athlete who's currently at the cusp of being cusp of their running experience where their times are going to make a really big difference for their goal because their goal is an Olympic trials qualifier. It's a female. And so she's like, okay, to reach that goal, it's no longer arbitrary. Whereas before it was sub 250, then it was 245. Well, now that target's moving and she's like, well, is it now time to start thinking about shoes? So this is the technology question comes right up. When do I, cause she wears ultras. She's always worn ultras. She likes ultras. As long as she's been running, she likes the, she, she's into the reasons that ultra does what ultra does. Right. right? Um, which is a lot of the same things. You we were just talking to Carosa the other day. He was talking about ultra and Atreyu kind of have similar, have a similar vibe thing going. Right. But anyway, she, she's really attached to that, but she's like, well, I, but I want to get the result. And I'm like, well, here's the, here's the thing. You can get the trials qualifier without the shoes. 
just have to realize that everybody else who's wearing the shoes is probably, everybody else who's getting the trials qualifier are probably all wearing the shoes. But it's up to you. And we, we spent 30 minutes talking about this. And at the end of the day, she says, so what you're telling me is it's my choice. Oh, of course it's your choice. Don't make the choice based on what the society has determined right. for you. Because if you meet that objective and you chose the shoes, you may have a question about whether or not you could have done it otherwise. Yeah. Or, and there's nothing, that I'm not, and I'm not valuing that. Like there's a devaluation there, right? A devaluation of the achievement. But if you decide now that you need the shoes to get there, then, then that won't become an issue. I said, but if it is an issue, you need to address it now because later you're never going to be able to undo that. Like you can't, you can never not see your mom naked. Like it's a really, <laughs> it's a really bad thing. It's so true. If you see your mom naked, you can never not see your mom naked. It's like a really big problem. What if you see somebody else's mom naked? That's really bad. That's okay. There's <laughs> no, no, your, no, your next door neighbor's mom seeing her naked is. I spent a lot of time thinking about naked neighbors. So that's okay. <laughs> As a young man, yeah, my na- my next door neighbor was my next door neighbor's mom was hot, so I don't have any problem with that. Right? <laughs> but my own mom, regardless of her hotness or not, there's right. a real problem. That's what I mean. It's like if you know there's a problem, you can't yeah. unsee the problem. Right. But that what what I what I think what it really created this the technology created this unique problem for her where she had to assess her value structure about what she valued about the sport right. and what it was all about keeping in mind that there was this absolute turnkey 3%, 4% return on this product that she had not yet used. And at what point in time does she use it? And at first it was like, when do I go? And then later it was like, oh, do I even go, right? And then at the end of the time, at the end of the conversation, she's like, it's on me. And I'm like, yeah, because I won't, I have no value. I give no value to that. If your journey uses shoes or your journey doesn't use shoes, um, but, but I did say to her, the one thing I want you to understand is that you don't go down, don't buy Nike's bullshit because yes, Nike has been on the front end of this for a long time, but there's a lot of really other good products out there. So don't buy into, don't try a variety of different things. If you're going to go down that plated option, because then you, then, you know, and now you're working and you can say, and then at the end, if you choose to go with the shoes, but like 2019, I'll never forget this being at New York city. I'm, I'm talking there at the, at the, uh, the elite athlete interview process. I'm standing, sitting right next to Brad Hudson and he was coaching Allie Kiefer at the time. And he, she was an ASICS athlete. And I'm like, what is she wearing? He goes, she's wearing the Nike. She's wearing the Nikes in 2019. There wasn't any other option. Right. Mm-hmm. You had to wear the vapor, whatever it was, the cheetah flies. I called them the cheetah fly. You just had to choose it. And he's like, anybody that doesn't do that is stupid. Now, at that time, I was really, I wasn't anti-vapor fly. I was just anti some one company controlling everyone else's choices and being in a monopoly in the situation. It made me sick to my stomach. But I recognized that for her, this is not for Allie. This was for Brad at that time that that was like, there was one option. There's not that anymore. There's lots of options. There's lots of choices and you should be able to go out there and try it. And then that way you're, you're using technology in a wise way, as wise as you can use it, you know, but it didn't change the fact that this young lady is going to have to decide what, whether she goes that route. You go down the arms race. Once the arms race has started, you can't go down it. Once you see your mom naked, you can't unsee it. Right. So, yeah. For better or worse. Maybe the topic, maybe the title of this <laughs> is see your mom. <laughs> well, I guess it, then. <laughs> yeah. So then you, you get yourself 5% 
fitter than your goal time without shoes, and then you're you're okay. It's that is a really weird thing, and I it I don't want to think about the shoe technology thing all the time, but I always come back to it because it is a product designed for the end result. Not for the not, not for the for benefit the, of the experience. Not, not for, for the, the sake of the experience. The Whereas path. if you chose a certain jacket, you would want it to have a mix of impermeability. Right. But if you have impermeable, then you then don't have breathability. So everybody's making some kind of choice with technology. I do think it was cooler back in 2019, though. And it was cooler because the marketing and everything was positioned as you should use these shoes for no more than a hundred miles. And like, I was like, all right, this is fun. It's like a, it's it's like your race day samurai weapon. Like it was so cool. The, I think the problem is, is that it, it's just become that idea that better and faster is always better at every point in the journey is it, it, it like, it's just taken, it's taken a toll. I think it's actually taken a toll on the runner's mind. Um, just in general, you know, everything's got to be faster and better yeah, at I, every stage of the journey. But it was already there. All they did was tap into something that was already there. Yeah. Because it could have been, it could have been, it could have been, um, I don't know, breakfast, breakfast flakes or some kind of nutrition fueling that was legal, but all of a sudden gave people yeah. the ability to get through 50, you know, 30K yeah. to 40K. They didn't have the dip because whatever was there you know, right. just used whatever's going on endogenously and took, right. jumped on it and worked. It could 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 have been that way, but or, nothing seems to know, work. If that. somebody invented a, a chewable that you eat on the starting line, and you don't have to after that, you don't have to take any fuel, water, yep. or fuel. Right. I'd that take would change that. Every, that would change everything. Yeah, it would. Um, the what's the? It's I think it's called the Doctors of Running. On mm-hmm. it's an Instagram. There's some guy. I think there's they have some a guys website in, now. Oh, yeah. they have it. They're pretty cool. Yeah, and they have. I think they're out in California, maybe. Yeah, but anyway, and they a lot do of well backed research, and they do some really really cool stuff. Great stuff. And they recently have been saying, look, this whole plated shoe thing is still in its infancy. It hasn't been long enough for us to determine what long term effects they're going to be on the body and stuff. They're and they're so, starting now. Yeah. There's research studies now. And so um, they're saying pump your brakes yeah. when you're using these shoes. The law of unintended consequences is always in play. Yeah. <laughs> once you once you take an aid, you have to then realize, especially if it's not natural, then you have to then accept the consequences around it. It's like antibiotics. Yeah. So an antibiotic is just a bomb on your on your gut health. Gut, yeah. It just destroys your gut. So yes, you got over a certain issue, but now you're less yeah, health, significantly less healthy. Right. Um, but anyway, so our positions are. I think we're all. I, I don't think we're talking a different language than everybody is thinking and feeling. I think we can probably level with most listeners that, except the triathletes. <laughs> Yeah, well, the tri- uh, I speak for for the tri community as a former burnt out triathlete. Well, I, I get I can get down with the data. I'm, sur- I'm certainly uh, not fast enough to use plated shoes on a regular basis, right? Um, I can see their appeal because when you put them on, 
you run faster. Um, but like you were just saying, is running faster the goal? Like- I, that's that's to me where where this this could get fun is um is the what's the next evolution of of the sport and where where is it going when i i think my prediction is that the goal being the only thing that really matters culturally speaking uh and attaining that goal that that era is I predict that that there's going to be a lot of burnout, like, and it's just going to be exponential burnout. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you this much is that I enjoyed running in Louisiana more than anything I could even describe. Um, and that had nothing to do with the tech and data. Now I was in love with the tech and data and that's why I've ended up where I am now. And I do, so it pushed me forward. But what's more interesting is that the feeling associated with it has diminished with the presence of all of this stuff. So I think where it's important for me to kind of get back to home base is the industry. I'm curious about where where the culture of running is going to be. And maybe five years is too soon. Maybe 10 years could could be different, but I, I'm kind of curious how people are going to be running on Town Lake in five years. What they're going to be doing is they're going to be massive groups of people. Is it going to be social? Is it going to be a? And you know, I just I think like where where are we going to end up placing all of the these technological assets, and how are we going to leverage them for some great stuff culturally? Because I don't think we can keep pushing faster and faster but i don't know maybe we can like and i love the sport of it but like there's a there's a difference between the competitive i think what what you're describing requires um a maturity so it's a there is um as human this is my point of view all human beings are really really focused on goals because our evolution is designed towards that generally um and it, it and even this is why the Dao Te Ching is so incredible because it's saying, hey, that orientation towards the goal is problematic, and if you go for the journey, the goal gets more likely to be achieved because the goal is not the thing. Um, and then the you know the evolutionary biologists or whoever it is, maybe this is old evolutionary biologies are telling us, now we're just trying to make babies and keep yeah. our progeny moving forward, right? But I, to me, that just says, okay, there's this inherent aspect to what it means to be human to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. I think a level of maturity is achieved when a person's been in a sport or in an endeavor for an extended window of time. Like you were mentioning, um, you know, you maybe you would go back to doing, maybe you would do pottery, right? Mm-hmm. When we Before we got on this, on this mm-hmm. conversation. You know, because at the end of the day, the pot, would be something that you could take a great deal of pleasure in and the pot is the pot, right? Mm-hmm. But your ability as a as a potter, as a you know, a person who works with clay, is gonna be significantly different five years in, ten years in, fifty years in. And what will that experience be like? Because you're still making <laughs> I think at the end of the day, some people will be making pots to drink water, some will be making pots to sit on 
to be viewed. Everybody's in a different place, mm-hmm. and there's a level of maturity in my experience with runners when I when working with them. There's a level of maturity where eventually they've reached the goal enough that the goal is now the process, and then the process becomes more important. But then they're provided no guidance whatsoever on how to do that, how that works. I'll Kinda give you an example. I don't yeah. give you an example. We we had a, a podcast episode where John and I were arguing. It's like running running leaders though. So, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Going, you're fine. I, yeah, I just, yeah. all I wanted to finish with that was say is that these things go through. So where will we be in five years? Exactly where we are. In five years, we'll be exactly where we are. The technology will be different, but we'll be exactly where we are. Because, ba- and maybe there'll be fewer people running around town like, maybe they'll be doing it in different. But no, we, when I moved here in 1988, people were running around town like. I expect in 2028, you know, 40 years later, people will still be running around town like. They might, and they'll all basically look the same. Mm-hmm. Some, the trails changed a little bit, but it, people are still doing it. People are still doing it. Yeah. Some are doing the four mile loop. Some are doing the seven mile loop. Some are doing the ten mile loop. And, yeah. and then people who arrived after they built those walkway mm-hmm. things, they think they've been there forever. Yeah, they don't realize we had to run on Riverside Drive. <laughs> Almost <laughs> died. <laughs> Sunday morning, the hungover drivers <laughs> up on the sidewalk. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's fascinating. You know, I don't know that we're. I, I think that again, this is why I think I thought technology was a great topic because mm-hmm. it 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 does it does. We're not going to change that. It's just going to happen because we're because it's in human nature, but it's also a part of a late capitalist model that it's just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and they're keep trying to sell us bobbles because and they're going to keep thinking out of the bobbles they're going to keep changing them just enough so that we need to have every different kind of shiny thing in our magpie nest right so you either work Full on spectrum of bobbles yeah so you can decide whether or not you want to be you, you're a mag we're magpie i think we're magpies we're going to go after the shiny thing but we can become discriminating in some level at some level i think that takes maturity and so a person who's coming to the sport, this is where John and I get really, really worried about them onboarding with data and using data as they're on board because they can read a data set like we were talking about with Cadence and get it completely twisted and then really focus on that. And if you had an athlete that was working on Cadence for five years, like you have a lot of, that, that nest is filled with shit that's not useful at all. <laughs> Right, like, like it's really not helping them at all. And then they right. like their arms are real short and their strides real short, and they're like, and you're like, oh. but my, t- but they're not getting any faster, and they're really confused. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think, I mean, to your point, Michael, about industry leaders or 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 people who have been at it for a long time. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think this podcast exists because we got three guys who are sitting around here trying to figure this kind of shit out, and we're willing to share our opinions about it. Right. But I do think at the end of the day, the response, this goes back to the magic bullet thing, okay? What I, I used last week. If you're gonna fucking hack, and this was my point with that, if you're gonna go for the hack, if you're gonna use the data, if you're gonna go that direction, you need to realize that bullet, ha- once you pick it up, it, it already has its own vision of where it's going, why it's going there, and what it's going after, because that's why it was designed. Now, if you choose regular bullets that are just normal, natural ones, then you don't have to worry about that. But if you're going for the short, sweet thing, then you're responsible for all the other pieces of the puzzle that go around that. And how is that going to work for you? So these data sets can be magic bullets or they can be regular bullets. You still want to hit your target. You want to go after it. But if you do it the natural way, if you're balancing old ways and new ways, then you're going to get something that's much, much more organically working. But if you're going to go for the hack, you're going to go down the road if that's going to have an inherent necessity to 
get an outcome. And it may not be what you're looking for. And now you're stuck with it, just like the cadence. Now you've got, you went after the cadence. Now the cadence is going to give you something and it's going to deliver, baby. Magic delivers. The crazy thing about magic is it doesn't work in theory. It only works in practice. Right. It's like religion or a purpose. It doesn't work in theory. There's no reason why a purpose should help you, but fuck if it doesn't. Magic's the same way. It works. In theory, it should not make any difference, but yet it does. I mean, anyway, I'll get down off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, that was pretty good. We could soundbite that. <laughs> Turn it into an ad. <laughs> to sell what? <laughs> Our new screen printed t-shirts for 1995. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 I think I think through this I'm I'm realizing that I have a desire. Cool. So something's coming out of yeah. this. What's that? So it's a it's an objective I know you hate that word, but I'm understanding that I have a desire for a running culture to be different, and that's okay. But to just snap my fingers and wish it were different and let it affect me is is um, too short-served, and I'm barking up the wrong tree. So my desire to give to have everybody transact the running experience the way that I transacted it is probably not going to happen because the top players in our fields and our sports and our cultures there they have a they have a fiduciary duty to keep the fucking wheels spinning right and and that's that's okay but my desire doesn't need to get in the way and let it affect my personal shit. I did this thing the other day. Um, I've been doing a lot of searching about, you know, we talk a lot about this, like what is our brand? What is, we have personal brands. We have, you know, branding. We have, and then I, and then I came across, I, I, did, I did a couple days worth of research. I just dedicated a few days. I was like, you know what? I'm going to figure this shit out. And I arrived on the brand itself. This is all related to running. What is the brand of running? Whatever. Um, there's no single one brand. And so I'm going to take a little of my own medicine here and kind of dose it to myself because I believe this and I've incorporated this into my team and I've been talking about this. So I'm going to incorporate it into my outlook and move forward with, with my day. And because I appreciate the conversation with y'all on this, um, perhaps the brand of running is not singular. Running is, is the perception of each and every runner because I learned that branding there's not, we don't have one brand. We don't get to decide what that brand is. We get to decide what we do to help the perception at the end state. When somebody thinks about John, when somebody thinks about Steve, when somebody thinks about me, we can, we can make moves and we can invest into tools and resources and fun things to like kind of make somebody but the brand is what they think of us the brand is what the athlete thinks of running 
running has hundreds of millions of different brands because everybody is decides what that brand is, which is super interesting to me. So I've given up trying to dictate what my personal brand or what the company's brand is, and I'm focusing more on what we're doing to help give somebody a little bit of a... People are going to have opinions either way about what they think of me, what they think of my footwear, what they think of my training, what they think of my times. Um, they're just going to think that. That's, that's the brand. What they think about me is my brand. What people think about running, that's their brand of running. Like that's the brand. Of, so right. it's the aggregate of all those different sums of things that, um, that is the zeitgeist of what the ultimate brand of running is. So it's just interesting. I think we have a lot of inputs to play with. I, it's, it, it's even hard to articulate because conceptually it's so, it's fundamentally 150% different than what I thought it was, which is we could tell people what, what they should think. But at the end of the day, it's not about what we tell them they should think. It's about what they think. But but let's let's be clear here, because I think it's really important that then people that will lead to a nihilistic point of view that says there's nothing I can do about could potentially lead. No, to a there's nihilistic everything view. you can do about it. So you do have a presentation. There's an essence mm-hmm. that y- is you mm-hmm. that then which then you are. And then is that where the brand? So where so where mm-hmm. does the essence of the of running or of Michael or John or Steve align with, or where do they, where does that and the brand sit? Because that's a crucial piece because if you're not careful, if you just state it from this perspective of branding is made a decision from the Mm -hmm. branding is what people read of you, then you can really quickly see you. One could really quickly say that if for whatever, let's just say that somebody decided that, um, Steve is, um, I don't know. He, he poops on the trail four times on the trail, literally leaving his poop on the trail. And I've never done that before, but somebody made that, made that assumption. And so then every time somebody runs by some human shit on the trail, they're like, that's Sisson, that's Sisson, that's Steve, <laughs> Steve pooped on the trail. I, I didn't do it. I mean, you could really quickly, I mean, it's a sad story, but it's like really quickly. People said that guy's a shithead. He's a shit. He's look at all the shit. That brand is shit. Right? Like, so, and I've never pooped on the trail once, but somebody decided to do a little, to tell a little story. And so I guess, so you see what I'm but saying? I took this, a really extreme example. We do example. this podcast because we believe that we might be positioning ourselves as um, relatable. Mm-hmm. We might have folks that kind of can get down with this and understand it. Some folks might tune in just to, because they have a different opinion about it. But that's a part we're contributing to that end state. So what we do is that's to where I understand is on brand. We are trying to act and do and say and think on brand. So technology and how how we got over to the over to here. But I, I do think it's all related because it it was it's it's my perce- my my desire for the brand of running to be different is kind of where we're going and that there's a the tool of technology and 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 that being a major part of the branding which is not the brand branding is different than the brand itself 
because the brand is actually the perception. So let's call it running is the thing. It's the idea. It's the whole idea. My perception of running is, um, is an interesting one. It's both, I, I absolutely love it. And I, I'm concerned sometimes about my own relationship with it. That's a cool brand. Mm-hmm. That's my brand of running. It's a complex sport. It's not, everything is not what it seems, but it is, it's a, it's a journey. That's a cool brand. Um, you might have a different relationship with it, but it, the interesting thing is. It, so you're saying that your brand, so that, that mm-hmm. S what I'm calling essence mm-hmm. is your brand. And then the branding is what I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a little mm-hmm. bit confused because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that Steve, the guy who didn't shit on the trail mm-hmm. has something to do with whether I got pit so that that got thrown out there. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Because you quickly, I know what you're saying. You're saying mm-hmm. is if you keep showing up every day doing what you do, your essence is really strong, and then that becomes a brand, and then the branding around it is really unimportant because you're just continuing to do what you do. But easily, someone can bring something into the puzzle there that that could make it confusing and make it challenging and make and it they difficult. Do. Oh, they do. And, and they do yeah. all the time. As coaches, John and I are very, very well acquainted. And with how what I'm saying is there's people- a technology, these technologies and these, these, these companies that they have great tactics to be able to contribute to our personal outlook and our brand, our brand outlook on the sport of running. Those are just tactics. It doesn't mean that that it necessarily has to be true. It's saying that, you know, they, that's where it's a very complex thing. It, it challenges my relationship to running and probably for the better because it helps me kind of solidify my stance. Yeah, How do I, what you- do I think and feel about running? But that's their, their, their tactics and their branding and, and everything is not good or bad, but it does have an effect so everything we do personally has an effect on what people think that we're about. So I think that the way that we should lean in is to understand that this is just a big relationship with a, quite a lot of technology and quite a lot of ideas. And it's to each individual person to kind of make sure that their outlook is healthy. I mean, if we take this example of having a podcast, I mean, the technology, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but there are billions of podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and 10 years ago, there weren't. There was maybe a million. I'm, I'm, I'm ex- mm-hmm. being exaggerating. But there, it has expanded exponentially because of what you're talking about. The technology has become so easy and so and so, so easy to The brand to of podcasts seems, my, my outlook is that it's an oversaturated field. Why would you even compete in it? But it's not even... My goal is not to compete in the Which, podcasting game. Correct. Which what we're doing is that's we're saying a part of that's 100%. our that's a tactic. Like we don't really give a fuck about the success of the podcast. Now that idea will contribute to listeners that make them feel comfortable. Maybe they like to relate. Maybe they have a personal relationship with one of us, and they just like getting that extra layer. And that's cool. So that actually is a part of our branding well something's happening because there are people that are listening to our podcast that have no relationship with you with michael john or steve because we've got people in brussels 
We've got we've got people that flan- I mean, frown out to my friend in Flanders. <laughs> oh, there's somebody who listens to our podcast who's in Flanders. At least one person, whoever you are. Hello, welcome to the Keep Going podcast. Mm-hmm. But like we're they're resonating with our brand, right? And what are we going to leave them with when this episode is done? When they think about technology, is that it's helping them exactly be more of their own essence. So the sentiment. Mm-hmm. is that they will when this tech when this podcast is done they will have a, a feeling about it that's cool well i mean in typical keep going fashion is pretty convoluted and went a whole bunch of different directions but yeah i mean i do think that that's what oh let's go back to the magpie and the nest right so ultimately we're asking our listener to take care of their nest and that there's shiny, and all magpies want shiny things, but be a little discriminating about the shine that you bring to your nest and why you bring it there. And then make it a part of it, or else, because you want your nest to hold up. You want it to be able to hold your chickens or your little magpies so they can come back to it. Because that's, in essence, what technology is designed for is to make us better human beings, ultimately. What happens is that we go for the shot, we're, we're pitched the shine. And we don't then say, but why do I need the shine? So you're pitched the cadence and you're like, well, why do I need the cadence? The cadence is some small little piece of valuable information, but it's definitely not something to build the nest out of. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then somebody might say, well, I go get my VO2 max test every year and I figure out what my VO2, VO2 is. Well, there's a much greater correlate. You and I as coaches know there's a much greater correlation of your VO2 towards your performance than your cadence to your performance. However, we're not going to obsessively work on just your VO2 because you've got a VO2 max test, right? Ultimately, at the end of the day, what's the goal? A faster race. What's the, why do you want a faster race? You want a faster race time so you feel like you were an effective human being at an endeavor that you put all your, put a lot of eggs in that basket, like you went after it. So ultimately, what we're saying is, Use the technology, but be sure the tech, that, that, that you're using it and it's benefiting you, not just using it because people told you that you should use it. Perspective. Yeah. Well, I had to, after I had my diagnosis and I had to start monitoring my heart rate all the time, I went out and got, you know, the GPS with the heart rate monitor and stuff and stuff I've never, you know, I, I think... Uh, I'd had a couple GPSs in the past, but I never really used them that much. Um, but this one I, I started using pretty regularly because I had to know where, you know, I, I wanted to keep my heart rate below a certain level as much as possible. I mean, I didn't, it wasn't a hard line, but, um, and so I was, you know, I'd, I'd wait and then the watch would go beep, beep, beep. And so I'd have to slow down and all kind of stuff and then after a while I realized I could do it and I was running you know for 45 minutes without having to listen for the beep I'm like well then why am I wearing it and it just so it just became because I was also focusing in on all the other attendant information that didn't really apply to what I was doing at the time but it was like oh those are cool numbers but then I was and I'm not even training for anything and I was getting uncomfortably focused on that kind of stuff. And so then I just put it up and I haven't charged it since. But they all those things do have benefits, right? 
but they're not benefits that you have to chase. The benefits come by using the information you get and applying it how you're going to use it in the future. Not like, I have to run at 180 steps per minute. I need to be at 88% of heart rate reserve for this workout or whatever. It, you know, then if, it, if it's the horse leading the cart, that's okay. But as soon as the cart gets in front of the horse, then that's when it gets- Things get run over. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, I think that's nice. That <laughs> makes sense. Horse. Yeah. yeah, it's we and we do it in not just running, but we do it in and, and guess what I'm saying is that it sometimes I feel like it's a lot of cart before the horse. Yeah. And my personal sentiment on that just doesn't need to throw smoke on my day. Right. My outlook is my own outlook. Right. As long as your horse is pulling your cart. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking A. Horses, magpies, what other? What else did we have? What other our analogies? Shit. <laughs> Steve shitting on the trail. Now I'm going <laughs> to sing everybody a song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. So one thing I did want to pitch oh, for the, our listeners, so I don't have man. to, so I don't have to add this later on, is um, as I mentioned, we do have listeners in a lot of different places on um, the planet, on this celestial globe. What I would, we would love for you to um even though our objective as we've talked about here is not a shiny bobble we'd like to hear from you i would like to hear from them uh, the people we have heard from it's been really really interesting we've gotten a few that we've been able to pass around and talk about but also um because it's such an unusual and unique podcast um i th- and i think we're doing good stuff it would be really cool i'm realizing now i listen to a lot of podcasts and i'm realizing why people say if you would give us a review rate us and give us a review um, it really helps us. But what I'm going to say is I don't give a fuck if it helps us because we don't really care. But what I'm hoping, but if you give us a review and a rating, then more people like you will find this podcast because they can't find it otherwise. So how do we find the others? How do you find people who are interested in these kinds of topics and what we're talking about is we only, it can only get in somebody's feed if you, because we're not heavy we're not marketing this thing. We're just doing it because of the love of it. And if you think somebody else could benefit from it, the best way to do it, sure, you can share that podcast with somebody else, but share it with the world instead and give us a rating if you like it. If you don't like it, give us a rating. I don't give a shit. There's somebody I read, I heard recently, if you're going to give my podcast a bad rating, then don't rate it at all. Well, dude, sorry, I'm not saying that. If you don't like it, then you don't like it. Tell the world, I don't care. But it would be cool to hear to, for that to happen. So I was thinking about that today on my hike. I was like, hey, it would be good for people, for more people to get this podcast if it's valuable to them. And we're really appreciative of the people who listen to it and just realize there might be the one other person on the planet who could benefit from this concept. And the way podcasts work is that it reaches into all levels of anybody who has internet access. So if you like it, then rate it and give a review and then more people can find it. And if not, that's cool too. But I do think it only takes like five minutes to like, like today on my way over here, there's a podcast I love and I had this idea and I just went and gave them five stars and I left a review because I was like, shit, I could put my money where my mouth is. If I think that way, then we should do it for others. So if you, if you like it, give us a review. If not, give us a review. (laughs) 
because ultimately even bad what do they say like uh bad, bad press is bad press is still press or yeah. something like that <laughs> yeah any press is good press did, yeah, did i just heart did i just harsh our mellow by actually going to no i dig it, it was, i don't even was, know where people are listening i didn't that was it was all I, is it on spotify so or awesome. apple it's everywhere it's everywhere apple, wherever you rate wherever you rate <laughs> coming at you cool wherever, wherever podcasters streamed yes yeah that's cool so we're synd- we're syndicating on on all the major platforms correct i'm a spotify guy myself you, if you're oh, anything else, that the vast majority of our listeners, for sure, because I can figure out those. They're almost so many people get it from um, I, I, their iPhone. They're on their iPhone, or they're they're doing it through Apple, whatever. But um, oh. but they but but Spotify is definitely number two. But oh, really? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I just think so many people have iPhones and they're they're using that app to use it. It's funny. I have an iPhone, but I use a different. Yeah, I use a different source for some reason. It, I, I can go back and forth between my music and yeah. and the yeah. and the podcast. That's what's cool. Yeah, I, different apps keep different types of music for me. It's really I don't no, know. That's it's algorithms. Odd. Algorithms. So, do you listen to it for a different reason? Do you have a different? No, it was just it, like when I I think when I originally downloaded Spotify, I was on a whatever kind of jag and so the first hundred things I put on it were all of a certain genre mm-hmm. you know and it just that's the way it evolved it, but oh, I have a real problem it, with my Spotify because I have a six year old who's using my Spotify oh that's great <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I gotta keep them separated <laughs> yeah it's it's like a Netflix account yeah where it's yeah. like little Finding Nemo and then <laughs> the negotiator. Yeah, exactly. I've gone on, I've gone on to my YouTube channel and there's been like just scrolled through anime stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, when did I do that? I'm like, I don't even get high anymore. Thanks, Isaac. But yeah, it, yeah, it's a trip, man. All right, guys. Godspeed. <laughs> Cooey. <laughs>